Well, it's good to see all of you today. You, you, look, uh, you look great. You do. You look, you look fantastic. Just a charming bunch of people. And uh, uh, this morning, I've got a couple of things I want to share with you. Um, uh, before we get into the message, a couple of things I want to share. First of all, uh, if you were in our leadership meeting last Sunday night, our family, church family meeting, where we just talk about the church and the future of the church and come together and pray for the church and... Uh, just try and stay in pace with what God is doing. Um, <clears throat> I announced that um, that uh, Joshua is going to become the lead pastor in the church. And um, I, first of all, I want you to know something. I am not going. I'm not retiring. I am not resigning, and I I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I, I'm, I'm here, but it's just it's just I believe it's the season for some fresh new things in the church. And I know that, uh, I really know that, that Josh is um, the person that God has his hand on to, to lead the church into its next season, into the new season where, where he wants it to go. Now, Josh isn't, isn't with us today. Um, he is um, probably now, I don't know, he may, may be in Oregon. He just ran away. Uh, <laughs> no, um, he, he's driving his sister back to, to Seattle. Um, she came down and spent a, some time with us, and um, he'll be flying home uh, this, this week. <clears throat> but um, he's not with us today. I'm kind of glad he's not because uh, some things I want to share with you today that could be a little, a little um, uh, embarrassing for him, very honestly. Honestly, you know. Because I, I I know it well I shouldn't know him, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but um, Josh is is I I have every bit of confidence in my heart that he is the man of God that God has selected to to take the church into its next season, and I I I, I know it deep inside I have um, for. Since, night, since I was about, about five years ago, when I had open heart surgery, I, believe, I knew that God was saying, begin to, to prepare for a successor to come along. I'm not taking you out. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to give you a quality of life that, very honestly, is better than the one you had before. And I'm going to tell you something. With the open heart surgery, my quality of life, honestly, it is better than, than it was before. Um, God has given me divine health. He has used medical doctors to do it, but God has given me divine health. My, and I just, and um, as I was looking around, if you've been around the church, you know, if you put some pieces together, you'll see that, oh, he, he, was, he was jockeying around trying to, to, to bring other staff people in to, to do some things, to, to, to become that lead pastor. Josh is the one that kept rising to the top. And I believe that, that the church is in for a, a new season and a very, very exciting season. And I'm going to tell you something, and I get to be a part of it. I get to be a part of it. On my way this morning, to, uh, driving down the 210 freeway to, to come here, um, to have a couple of, a couple of miles on, on the freeway, you know, I'm a freeway person. If you get on the freeway, why bother with the surface street? You know, but um, but 
was driving and there's this, you know, one of the light fixtures overhanging the freeway and it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's kind of an irony, but, you know, here's this, it's this incredible, beautiful red-tailed hawk, you know, over the, over the freeway. And the Lord just spoke to me and he said, that is your new job description. You know, that I am to be, Janice and I know that God spoke to us and that we are to be watchmen over the church. And so we're going to be watching for rats. <laughs> and um, that's, I mean, really, I mean, just in, there's some stuff we'll talk about a little later on, but, um, you know, in, in, in seasons inside of a church, God does different things at different times. And I know that, and I have seen, and most, most of you have said the same thing, that we have seen the anointing on Josh increasing. We're seeing that, and, and he has been very honorable of me to not try and take over my position and push me out of the way. He has been very honorable, and, and it's one of the reasons I know that God is going to incredibly, um, uh, just you will see incredible things happen through his ministry that honestly could not happen through, through me as being the senior pastor. And so as Josh is taking this position of leading the church, uh, you are in for a great season. And I'm excited that I get to be a part of it. And so some of the questions, well, should we, should we call Josh pastor? Yes, call, Josh is, is, is a pastor. Should we still call you pastor? You better. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as, as, you, as you look at the, as, as what God is doing, as, as God has has put together and has sent, you know, Pastor Steve and Pastor Janie down from, from, from Oregon to become a, a part of this church and to, to, to build. God has an incredible dream for this church. And we are going to see God's dream come about in, in an incredible fashion and in an incredible way. If you are here at our last, at our, at our leadership meeting on Sunday night, I also announced that today that we would be laying hands on and, and, and installing um, Jim and Heidi LaJudice and Josh and Laura Woodcook as elders in the church. But because Josh isn't here today, and because Adam isn't here today, and a couple of other people that, that I would like to be, we're, we're going to wait till next week. And so next week, this is a part of our growth, of our church moving ahead and, and growing and in, increasing the vision. Uh, we will be laying hands on these two couples as God is going to, to release them into this place of leadership. Now, I'd like for you to do something, and that is to set aside March 2nd. That's Sunday, March the 2nd, and on that day, we will be installing Josh as the lead pastor in the church. It's going to be a big day. Um, I, I'm, we're battling with something. We would like to have just one service that day, and that, now that's going to, you put together both services, and you know, it, I mean, it's going to be a, a, a tough one. It really is. Uh, but it's kind of hard to duplicate, to lay hands on somebody twice, you know. But we're, but we're going, so we're going to do it on that day. We'll, we'll, we'll do some stuff, and if it's a nice day, we may put, you know, a closed circuit outside, and, but uh, we'll, we'll try and pack, we will pack everybody in. We will do it for that day. Invite your friends, maybe people that are struggling and looking for a church family, looking for a place to belong. Have them come and, and see what God is doing. I'm, there will be several of my pastor friends that are going to be coming that day and laying hands on Josh. 
to, for the, the, uh, to uh, an empowering of what God wants to do. I do expect, I know that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit with us at all times, but I expect just honestly just a, a, a presence and the power of God that day for a, a fresh kickoff for, for the church. And so, so set that, side, that day aside. The only excuse that you have for not being here that day is it's your 50th wedding anniversary. Okay, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a fun day. It's going to be a fun, fun, fun day. We're going to have, have a, uh, stay tuned to see what, what's going to happen. It's going to be a good day. I, I, today, I'm going to talk to you about just not part of the new season in the church. I'm going to talk to you about God's dream for his church. God has a dream for, for, for this particular body, but God has a dream for the church of Jesus Christ. Those body, that body of people that, that know who Jesus is. One time Jesus took his disciples on a retreat, and um, that's where our junior hires are today. I hope they're on a retreat with Jesus. I know they're on a retreat with Adam, but uh, I, I know that Jesus is with them because... Uh, Adam has just really been seeking God's face for this, but uh, he took his disciples on a retreat to a place called Caesarea Philippi. I've been there. It's a beautiful place. It's, uh, it's up in the hills uh, by Mount Hermon, and um, green, lush, great place for a retreat, typical place for a retreat. And the uh, irony of it is, is that um, it's full of, of, of temples to foreign gods, as a matter of fact, it's a place that, um, that uh, there was temples to Pan. The, the pagans would come and worship the god of nature, worship Pan there in, in, in this place. Jesus wasn't afraid of that. He didn't say, oh, we can't go there. It's a bad place. They, they worship strange things there. Jesus decided just to go in and take authority and be, be, be God. But he, he goes there and he's got his disciples away and they're, they're kind of kicked back and getting some rest and getting restored and Jesus asks him a question. He says, who do men say that I am? You know, that's some pretty fancy qu- answers. You know, hey, you're, you're one of, the, you're one of the, uh, the, the prophets from the Old Testament. You're one of the, uh, maybe even John the Baptist, uh, you, know, you know, come back to us. Uh, you're, you're up there among the big ones. And um, Jesus said, okay, but who do you say that I am? And, and, and Peter, the guy that's always sticking his foot in his mouth, had a revelation from the Holy Spirit. And there was, there was no foot in the mouth. And I tell you what, it gives me a lot of hope knowing that people who get their foot in their mouth a lot can look good sometimes. I feel good with that one. Peter says, you, you, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you know, Peter, you know, you may be a knothead, but you didn't figure that out by yourself. You have had a revelation from God. Flesh and blood didn't show that to you. It's been revealed to you by God. And as a matter of fact, I am God in flesh. 
And on what you have just said, Peter, I am going to build my church. The church of Jesus Christ is not built on Peter. The church of Jesus Christ is built on who the church says that Jesus is. Any answer other than that, it is not the church of Jesus. Any answer that, 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 that takes away from the deity of Christ, the godness of Christ, any answer, so he's a good guy, he's a, he's a good teacher, he's a good, he, has a, he had a good philosophy, he was just one of many that has come down the line. Any answer than that is a lie, it's a false answer, and the church of Jesus Christ is not built on that. The church of Jesus Christ can only have true fellowship. We can be friends and be nice to everybody, and we're supposed to be. We need to be nice to everybody. But when it comes down to spiritual fellowship, when it comes down to coming together and, and celebrating the goodness of God, it is only with those who make that confession that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is God in flesh. And any answer other than that, it is not the church. God's dream is that church that understands that Jesus is the Messiah and then goes the rest of the way in, in believing in what Jesus said that we are to do and actively gets involved in it. Jesus' dream, God's dream for his church is that we understand our authority, we understand our dominion, and we are actively reaching out and going out and doing what Jesus came to earth to do. I want you to understand something, first of all. The message that I'm going to be sharing with you today is it's, it, it's, it's hard-hitting. I'm not apologizing for it, but what I am saying, it comes with, with a lot of, of, of tough encounters. Uh, again, I'm not apologizing, but I am saying, hang on. Some of you might find your feathers ruffled a little bit on some of the things I'm going to be saying today. I'm not apologizing. Go talk to God about it. If there's something that I say that is unscriptural, then come and talk to me. But apart from that, my message today is going to be saying to you, God has a dream for our church, for his church, and he expects us to step up and cause his dream to come true. And so as I'm, as I'm sharing this with you today, you know, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. And, and, and then step up and realize that God has got an incredible plan for all of our lives. One time Jesus took his disciples on, on an outreach and uh, he had taken them to a couple places and they came back and Jesus was... A big multitude had followed him, and um, this multitude that followed him, it was dinner time, it was time to go home. The disciples come to Jesus, hey, there's 5,000 people here, they're all hungry, um, send, send them home so they can eat. And um, Jesus' response to the disciples was, no, huh, you, you feed them, you feed them. The disciples said, us, we have two filet of fish 
three Big Macs, and uh, that's not going to go very far. Jesus is saying this to disciples, you, you partner with me and you will have what it takes to feed this multitude. Jesus didn't say, okay, get everything together and, 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 and then I'll feed them. He says, no, you feed them. You do it. You're the ones that are going to do it. The call of Jesus is still the same thing today. He is saying to us, you fulfill my desires on planet earth. It's up to the believers to step up and to do what I, what, what I came to earth to do. I'm going to leave you on planet earth with spiritual gifts, with, with a heart of passion, the power of prayer, the power of petition, and, and something is going to happen in, on, on, on earth because you believe that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. In, John, in 1 John in chapter 3 and verse 8, it's a passage that I, I use a lot around the church. Um, I, I, it's just one of my, one of, one of my I've, I have about 4,000 favorite passages and this, this is one of them and it says the one who does uh, what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning and this, this is the, the focus this, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works just plain and simple why did, why did Jesus come to earth why did he take on human form? It was to undo the works of the devil, to, to destroy what the devil has started, did. Now, there's a, there's a, a, as you read the Bible, sometimes you'll come across a little phrase that Jesus is the second Adam. He's the second Adam. You know that, that God created heavens and the earth, created Adam and Eve, um, and use them to, to, to control planet Earth. God gave them dominion over the Earth. Uh, I love talking about that. I could talk about that all the way through the Super Bowl, but I'm not going to. Um, uh, but but, but he, he created Adam and gave him control over the Earth. This is where Satan comes in, Lucifer, the, the devil, the evil one, uh, the, the one who is against Jesus. He comes into the garden. He deceives them and takes away that dominion, that control of the earth, and he, in essence, is now going to be controlling earth. And Adam and Eve were kind of scratching their heads saying, oh, we didn't really mean that. It's too late. It, it's over with. There was the fall. And Jesus comes in as the second Adam to give us the chance to get it right the second time. Um, sometimes around the church, I, I've done a, a series of sermons on, on you know, the idea, well, we have people say, well, you know, I've messed up my life, I've fallen, um, I've really fouled up big time, and so I'm just going to you know, go to plan B. I'm going to go to plan B now. And then my, my thought is that God does not have a plan B for your life. He just has another plan A. Some of us are working on our 15th plan A, but, but still God's plan A. He doesn't have a second class category for us. He has the best for us. His plan is always the best. And Jesus comes in as, as the second Adam to, to undo, to, to give back that dominion and that authority that, that, that Satan stole from us in, in the garden. Jesus says, I've come to, to, to undo his work. And he spends his ministry on these God encounters with, with what Satan has done. 
And so what were the works of the devil that Jesus came to undo? I made a list. It's just, it's just one of uh, You can make your own list. But, but first of all, um, Jesus came to, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but there's a lot of misery in the world. Have, is, have you noticed, is it just me? Okay, okay. There's a lot of misery in the world. There's a lot of unhappiness. And, and Jesus says, I've come to give you life, give you life to the fullest. I've come to give you a good time. Yeah, life's going to be hard. Life's going to be tough. But in the middle of it all, I, there, there's going to be a joy of salvation, and a joy of hope, and a joy of coming out of this thing. Uh, poverty and, and lack. Jesus came to undo that spirit of poverty. You don't have to be poor to have a poverty mentality. Pastor Steve, on a sermon a couple of weeks ago, did a great job on that issue that, that sometimes we just walk around with this mentality, there's not gonna, I'm just afraid there's not going to be enough. I'm just afraid that things are going to fall apart and oh, 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 oh. And that's a poverty mentality and that, that issue of, of, of lack. Well, but, but what if? But what if? And we live in this what if, not in the place of, but my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. You know, and yes, life is hard and it's difficult and some of, some of you have suffered financially and there's some, some hard issues. But God's still going to be there with you through all those things. And sometimes, and this is the place where we're going to be talking about this, but there's going to be some times that we've just assumed, well, it's going to be hard. When if we would have taken our authority, lived in the dominion that God intended for us to be living in, and this is not a this is not a name it and claim it message. It is not a um, it is not a you know God wants you to have everything on the face of the earth. It's not that, but it's that God does supply our needs. And sometimes we exclude God from supplying our needs because we believe the deception of the enemy that says there's just not going to be enough. You're going to run out. You you can't share. You can't give. You. And also we start getting that power, we pull in more and more and more. Deception, I mean, injustice and oppression. We, we live in this world of, of, of injustice and oppression and Jesus came to, to undo that work to the, of the enemy, to, to, to have us be involved in, in doing things that are just. Pat, last week or so, Tess Batten called me. If you, if you don't know Tess, hang around, you'll meet her. <laughs> turning 89 in a couple of weeks. You know. Powerful prayer warrior, powerful. Pastor, I believe God spoke to me and told me that I, I need to, 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 to give you a call and what, what particular do I need to be praying about? And I had just was in the middle of working on an email sending to, to our orphanage director in Africa saying, I'm sorry, we just don't have the money to, to feed the kids right now. It's, it's, we're in a tough place, and the economy is just, we're in a tough place. And she said, I'm, okay, okay, I'm going to put in the prayer chain, and, you know, and, and then Tess, Tess calls me this week, and she says, I've got a couple thousand dollars that, that has been sent in to, 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 to feed the kids. And you know something, I'm going to tell you something. It's that heart of seeing injustice and saying, no, 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 no. We don't have to put up with this. Let's collectively say no to the enemy's work because the enemy robs people, uh, children. I mean, who pays, who, who pays the most during a war? 
Is it, is it the presidents and the, and the kings of the, the nations? No way. I've seen them. I've seen, I've seen little five and six-year-old kids with bullet holes in their back. It's not the president that had the bullet hole in his back. And it's injustice. It's oppression. And the kingdom of God, Jesus came to undo that injustice and say, as my church, I want you to get involved and I want you to do something about it. I want you to understand, yes, you can act, but I also want you to understand the power of prayer and how prayer will work. Now, If, if, you know, if, if God's speaking to you about saying, you know, I want to I get involved in, in that also. That's we have these five-gallon water jugs for around the church. I've asked, you know, just, hey, set aside a, cop, a cup of coffee every week. You know, just, just drop in a dollar or two every week just, just to feed the kids. But honestly, that doesn't feed them. You know, I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of kids in Africa. They're hungry. Um, and, you know, and, you know, and the bad part about it is, is no, they can't afford uniforms to go to school. If you can't go to school, and here is that oppression side of it. They're, they're beat down, and not only that, there's no hope of them getting the education that they need. And so, so it's, well, okay, well, I want to help buy, buy some uniforms. That's why we have our Sponsor a Child program. But I also want to tell you something. It is also equally unjust to, to take the, the, the tithes and the offerings that belongs to the church of Jesus Christ and say, so, well, you know what, I'll just take it from there and I'll direct it over here instead. I'll do it over here instead. We are to bring that tithe and that offering to the church. If you've been around the church, you know that we are highly involved in feeding hungry people. We are highly involved and we do a lot to, to, to do that. And the church, the church itself does that. But if God's speaking to you, saying step up a little bit more and direct, you know, instead of instead of you know going into to that to that uh, that movie or that that game, instead of buying that 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 item for yourself, why don't you use it to, to feed a hungry kid? Use it to buy a, a uniform for a hungry kid. You know, use that to 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 bless others instead. That's what Jesus came to teach us how to undo the works of the devil. Deception and lies that are presented as truth. Satan is the deceiver and Jesus came to, to be the truth. Satan is a liar. He's the father of liars. He speaks things out. He has his people that he has deceived on planet earth. They speak things out. Are, are, are so many, so many times, and, and I'm saying this with, with great caution because I know I have a, a, a lot of you in our church that, that are teachers, and you protect what you say. As many of you, you are, you are professors, and you are molding minds of, of students in, in, in universities. But so many times we, we, we have been, uh, and, and I can say this because I, I believe I'm a part of the educational system too. I've been educated beyond my intelligence. <laughs> oh well. Uh, but but, but we, we, uh, we have places that where, where lies are being taught as truth. And the truth is, well, the truth is whatever you believe, whatever you want it to be, then that's the truth. 
And we live in this world, and Jesus said, I, I've come to, to turn the lights on so you won't be deceived by the lies of the enemy anymore. False religious spirits. Religious spirits that, that say, oh, you know what? There's, there's, there's all kinds of ways to God. Just as long as you're serious about it, it's okay. But, but that's a lie from the enemy because it's not okay. Well, these people believe in God too, so, so th- it, it's okay. We're, we're all going the same direction. Jesus did not give us the right to say that. As a matter of fact, Jesus took away the right to say that. When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, narrow is the way into eternal life. Broad is the way into destruction. I'm a part of, of you know, of, of the baby boomer generation. You know, the, the original free thinkers. Yeah, hey, whatever, it's okay, no problem, no problem. And it goes against my culture, it goes against my, 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 my frame of mind to be narrow-minded, but Jesus didn't ask me, does this offend you, Larry? <laughs> this is, is this okay if I say this? It, narrow, narrow, narrow is the way to me. There is only one way into eternal life. Do not compromise by saying, oh, just be serious, it's okay, God will get you there somehow, some way. That's a lie, it's deception from the enemy. And Jesus came to undo that, to be very bold in saying, it's through me and through me alone. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ, only by my blood, that anyone will come into to eternal life. And that's narrow, very, very, very narrow. But it's what we must believe, or we are being controlled by deception and by the spirit of Antichrist. Next thing is the issue of, of robbery of dignity and, and identity. We've, it's a battle that we're facing in our culture where we, we, this individual identity is being robbed. We have no idea who we are anymore. I don't know if I'm a boy or if I'm a girl. I have no idea what, what, what's taking place in my eye. It's it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's a lie from the enemy. And God is clear of how he has established it to be. There can, and I don't want to, to get off onto, in, into a lot of depth this morning, but God is clear and God has a plan for our lives of redemption. We all have areas that we fall short in. It doesn't make any difference of what, if it's a sexual identity or if it is uh, a greed identity. Sin is sin. And God is working on our lives to redeem all of us and, and to, to get us to that place to where, where we are saying, God, I want my identity to be found in you and who I am in you. But the enemy of God has come in and said, it, it doesn't make any difference anymore. It doesn't make any difference anymore. You know, who are you to put a plan off on me? Nobody. But it is about God. It's what God says. Next thing is that there in our world, there's the spirit of Antichrist that has the appearance of fairness and love. And the enemy of God is saying, Christians are narrow-minded and they're people of hate. You know, th- this is the fair way. I'm the fair way. I'm, I'm the loving way. And all the whole, the whole time it is because the enemy of God has a plan of destruction. Satan had influence on the human race since the fall, and Jesus shows up to undo the works of the devil to say, these areas, I want to undo these, and I want to take you into a new place. In Ephesians in chapter 2, and in verses 1 and 2, um, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins, 
in which you used to walk and to live when you followed the way of the ruler uh, uh, the, of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are hmm, okay, uh, disobedient. The ruler of the kingdom of air and that spirit is working in those. Jesus, when he's, when he's talking with his disciples, his disciples, he sends them on that outreach. They come back and they say, man, the demons are subject to us. And Jesus said, don't be surprised. Yeah, that's true, they are. But don't be surprised. Be surprised instead that um, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The biggest amazement is that you can get saved. <laughs> that's the real powerful one right there. That any of us can have a relationship with the loving God. And Jesus says, you know, I, 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 I saw Satan fall. I was there when he was cast out of heaven. I was there, and I, I know what's going on. I know but he has the, 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 what's taking place, but Jesus came to undo the works of the devil. I know he's here on planet Earth. I know he's confusing people. I know he's deceiving people, but I've come. When Jesus went to the cross, shed his blood on the cross, and then as the Bible says, he triumphed over sin and death by raising from the dead. There's enough physical evidence that the resurrection of Jesus Christ will stand up in a court of law. And Jesus says, at that point, the war was won. When Jesus raised from the dead, the war was won. But in the meantime, there's going to be a few battles and skirmishes that's going to be taking place. History tells us that at the Battle of Gettysburg in the American Civil War, that that was the, the deciding factor. That was the turning point when it was, when it was all over with. That was the time that, that Lee knew that, 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 the, that the battle, the war was lost. But you know, after the Battle of Gettysburg, after they knew that, that the war was lost, and some of you from the South say, I don't believe so. Um, but after they knew that they had lost, there were still battles, there were still skirmishes, and people were still killed. Lives were lost unnecessarily. When Jesus came to earth, the war was won. It was decided. But in the meantime, the enemy of God is out causing problems. Does he know that he's a defeated foe? We'll look at a scripture in a couple of minutes. But he's still fighting. He's still trying to destroy. He is still seeking to get us to, to believe his lies and his deceptions. Now, in Isaiah, in chapter uh, 9, verse 6, is a passage that we honestly, we build our living nativity on. It's that prophecy of Isaiah that says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. 
Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Look at this passage in Matthew in chapter 10 and verse 34. I don't suppose that I came to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Is there a contradiction here? Huh? What's going on here? No, what Jesus is saying is peace has to be made. Peace doesn't just happen because we're all warm and fuzzy singing kumbaya and just... Because the enemy of God always attacks peace. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. We make peace by demanding the kingdom of God in in, in its fullness. It's not a contradiction. It is the truth that explains why there's spiritual warfare going on. The enemy of God does not want us to experience God's peace. When we understand that evil always tries to invade peace, when we understand that it is going to happen, that there's just going to be that thing, that it's just going to be there, and we realize that we must keep our guard up all the time, when we see those things that are breaking down peace, we need to say enough of that, and we will step in and do the right thing. A number of years ago when I was a youth pastor, I took about 70 high schoolers backpacking for a week. One of the dumbest things I ever did. <laughs> One of the kids, you know, we're, we're up in the high Sierras. I mean, I mean, God was there, you know. And so one, one of these knotheads that I brought with me um, it had a, a boom box. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it was like this big, you know. And, I mean, and we're, we're, you know, we're trying to enjoy the, the peace of the Sierras, you know, the beauty of God's creation. And here's this boom box. Boom, 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 boom. You know. Oh, man, come on, come on. You know, finally, you know, I, I just I went to the guy and I says, you know what? We're here to, to, for the peace of God, to, to have it quiet, to, to enjoy this. We want to experience peace. And this thing is just driving us nuts. And he says, well, too bad for you. This brings me peace. And, and this is sometimes what I'm saying, that being a peacemaker doesn't always look like you're a peacemaker. And so I said, well, you know what? Um... I'm the person in authority here, and so I'm telling you that you're going to, to not do that anymore. Well, I'll just turn it down a little bit. And I said, I tell you what, I'll help you out a little bit. So I went, and I pulled the batteries out of the back of it, and uh, we had peace. <laughs> I, I, I made peace. I made peace. But he wasn't at peace with me. Sometimes, folks, sometimes being a peacemaker, you will have those that are going to oppose you. They're not going to say, oh, you're so, oh, you're so, oh, so, no. Sometimes standing for truth, standing for the right thing puts you in, in bad light with the people around you. I was watching, watching television a couple of weeks ago. I'd watch it more than a couple of weeks ago, I, you know. But I'm going to watch it this afternoon, too. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, one, of, one of the news commentators or new talk, talk shows um, was, had a, a religious leader on Lord, a very, a very um, solid religious leader, and they was talking about just the change and about terrorism and everything. And, and, this, and the, the, the Christian leader said something about, about the works of the enemy. And, you know, the comment, you don't really believe in a devil, do you? Oh, come on now. Come on. That, that's so silly. We're, we are of an enlightened age. We're an enlightened group of people. You don't believe in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a boogeyman that wears horns. And is out, you know, and see, the thing is, if you believe in the word of God... If you believe that there is an evil being, which you can call the devil, Lucifer, Satan, the fallen, billions, all kinds of names. If you believe in that, then you are considered unintelligent. You're considered superstitious and much less than than the intelligentsia of our world around us. And if you're going to believe the Bible and not compromise on the word of God, you will be ridiculed. I'm going to read just a, a, a little thought from a, from a book that's, that I'm, I'm, I've been devouring lately. But um, um, Philip Jenkins uh, in uh, The New Face of Christianity, I asked him whether demons and evil spirits and principalities and powers really do exist. Um, uh, Jenkins, a high-regarded Penn State scholar, highlights... Um, a new massive exploding church in the global south and south of the equator uh, in South America and in some of the places in, in, in Africa where there has just been massive revival and awakening and pouring outpouring of the Holy Spirit people coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ okay um and he's been pointing out the difference between the, the church in the global south and the church in the global north above the equator. Those enlightened ones like, like, like America, like you know, North America and, and Europe who really understand things now because we're enlightened. Um, and um, uh, Jenkins says, for example, overwhelming uh, great uh, global southern churches teach a firm belief in the existence of evil and the reality of the devil. He then quotes um, a, uh, it's a president, a former president of Nigeria, saying, doubting the existence of the devil or Satan is like doubting the existence of sin. Noticing the influence and the effect of the occult, of uh, esotericism, and the social cults in our society, and particularly our institutions of higher learning. We can hardly deny the existence of demonic or devilish beings. Okay, now, and this is, uh, absorbing such things is not easy for the traditional northern theologians or the northern thinkers like us. Northern readers today would label believers in demons and witchcraft as irredeemably pre-modern, backwards, okay? Pre-scientific, and probably pre-literate. And such beliefs would cast doubt on believers' claims to an authentic or an intelligent religion. So we live in this world where the enemy, the deceiver, has sold us on the idea, don't believe in me, just, you know, just you know, ignore it. 
And it's up to us as believers to stand true to the Word of God, to not compromise on the Word of God, and say, we will not give up. We will do what Jesus came to earth to do, to undo the works of the devil, when Jesus said, and the things that I have done and greater you will do. Enlist in the church of Jesus Christ that is militant and that is moving ahead. There's a couple of phrases used to describe the church. You won't find them in the Bible this way, but, but pe- thinkers have put some thoughts together. The church militant is the church that is here on, on, on planet Earth. We are involved in fighting evil, as, and we are involved in fighting the flesh, and our own nature, the things that we want to do. And as long as we are here on planet Earth, we are to be the church militant, advancing the kingdom of God, going into dark places and turning the lights on. There is, the, the Bible will refer to, it's the part of, of the church triumphant. That is the body of believers who have gone ahead. There's even a beautiful word picture in the Bible about the church triumphant coming down from heaven and establishing rule and reign on planet earth in the thousand years millennial reign. But what I want you to know is that, that the believers who have gone before, yesterday we celebrated the ongoing of, 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 our, of our brother Willie as he, as he went to be with the Lord. He was a part of the church militant as he is here battling and teaching truth, teaching people the importance of, of maturing in Christ, of not just stepping across the line of faith, but really getting into it and growing and growing in maturity, peeling off all of those lies and deceptions of the devil. But Brother Willie right now is not a part of the church militant. He's a part of the church, oh yeah. <laughs> He's a part of the church of Jesus Christ that is, it, the battle is over. He is triumphant. He won. Willie won. He is with Jesus. But until you are part of the church triumphant, we must be a part of the church militant of learning how to say no to the enemy's plans. Jesus expects us to be warriors that are overcomers. Warriors that know how to, to do battle. There's a passage that, 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 that Jesus shares with us about the importance of, of growing and moving ahead in Him in, in Revelations in chapter 12 and in verse 11. It says, And they triumphed over Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You sang that song a couple of minutes ago, or part of that song. I heard you confess it with your mouth. You said it. You said it. I heard you. That we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. The word of our testimony. It doesn't say we'll overcome because we have good warm thoughts towards people and we want to feed hungry people and take care of the homeless and come against injustice. No. It says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. There is no other way to be an overcomer. Can't happen. Cannot happen. You might save some parts of your marriage. You might, you might, you might get your kids off drugs because you've put them through some kind of a intense training. Overcoming, real overcoming, is through the blood of the Lamb. 
And then by the idea of the word of the test, I believe. It's like Peter, you, <laughs> you are the Christ. It's you. It's, it's you, you're the one. The word of our testimony. My dear friends, this is one of the great reasons why, why we must never compromise with the spirit of Antichrist that comes against the word of God. Well, the Bible doesn't really say that. It kind of says something like that. Yes, we are going to look narrow-minded. We will even look bigoted, and people will even say, oh, you're people of hate, because they've been, they've been deceived. But as we fight for the dignity of people, and the, 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 the eternal salvation of people, we can't compromise. We can't water down the gospel. Well, you know what? Everybody's serious about, about God and, and he understands those things. Folks, that's deception from the enemy. There is only one way to eternal life. That is through the shed blood of Jesus. It goes against my cultural upbringing. But it's the truth. I must embrace the truth over what my little beating mind would kind of like to have happen. And so we have been told to, to, to advance, to overcome, to be overcomers. To be overcomers of, right through the word of God. A part of our overcoming is to take back that territory that Satan stole, that he, he lied about. And that, that's people, the lives of people that are near and dear. What Jesus came to, to get was people. He, he, he likes trees, but he didn't die for trees. He likes whales. I love whales too. But he didn't come to die for whales. He came to die for people. And God wants us to become overcomers in redeeming people and giving them hope and giving them promise. God wants us to be involved in, in, in that powerful prayer life that is going to, to invade the enemy's territory and to pull back those people that are so precious to God. There's a passage in Job's in chapter 22, verse 27 and 28. It says that you will pray to him and he will hear you and you will uh, pay your vows. You will also decree a thing and it will be established for you and your light will shine on your ways. And we are to pray to God and sometimes we need to make those decrees. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I've asked Pastor Janie to, to share just a, a thought real quick, something that's taking place of a point of advancing the kingdom of God, of knowing how to pray and to make a decree of saying, wait a minute, we don't have to put up with this. We want the kingdom of God to rule and, and to reign. Do you believe in the power of prayer? Oh, it's that talky thing.
months ago. Couple months ago, is it on? No. Maybe tap on the green light. Again. The green light's on. Anyway, we were we were at one of our uh, all church meetings on a Sunday night a couple months ago, and and Pastor said we need to pray over this city. This is a great church. We need to pray that God would release people that are supposed to be a part of this church, that can find hope, that can find all the opposite of the, the destruction of the enemy, right? The love, joy, the peace, the, the hope in life, etc. Well, anyway, I, I had a, a vision. I said, you know what? Let's take a map. We'll divide it up, and let's pray over the city. Let's pray together. So I got a map, and I put rubber bands and uh, marked it off. And basically, there, and I know a lot of people live even beyond this map, but we will have maps. When you go out, you can grab one and take, take um, choose to pray over a section. It might be where you live. It might be uh, where you have a heart for. But there are little sections on here, and they're numbered. So choose to pray over that. And if you don't, and we would love for you to pray, you know, every street, and, you know, walk your babies, walk your dogs, pray the paths, the parks, drive, ride your bike, however you want to do it. And there will be numbers of people that will be praying also in that same section. But pray f that God would, you know, good things would happen in that, in that section. And a lot of people don't know how to pray. I just encourage you, personalize the Lord's Prayer and say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in this section, in this neighborhood. Um, Lord, give us, give these people today their daily bread. Lord, provide for their needs. Help them to forgive others as they are forgiven. And Lord, keep them from evil. Keep them from temptation. For yours is the kingdom and the glory. Amen. So just, you know, Jesus said, pray this way. Those are Jesus' words. He's, he, and if he knows how to pray, hello. <laughs> just take it and write it down on a little three-by-five card and just pray, pray your streets. So grab a map on your way out, and if you would let me know your, the number that you're going to pray for, then we'll have a, then sometime we'll have a, a party, and we'll get our people together that are praying for sections, and we'll, we'll praise God for what God does. Okay, that, that is taking dominion. Um, is it God's will that your neighborhood be riddled with drugs so you can pray with confidence can't you Lord if it be your will you know, no Lord it is your will and, and I'm going to hold on to that passage you will decree a thing and it will be established for you doesn't mean it's going to be you know there's, there's going to be some battles in this, in this war okay doesn't mean that well I just prayed it once and it's, it's over with No, it's warfare it's a continual moving against the powers of darkness and letting your light shine in that place. In Exodus in chapter 14, in verse 15 and 16, I'm going to ask the worship band to come up while, while we're uh, looking at this passage. And, but um, in Exodus, this passage in Exodus, Moses has, has led the people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I mean, this was a big deal. I mean, you know the showdown, that all this incredible thing. Here they are. They're, they're free. 
but there's the Red Sea in front of them. They can't get across. The people are behind Moses saying, good job, guy. <laughs> good. Oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. The Pharaoh and his armies are behind us. The Red Sea is in front of us. Uh, we're, we're pretty much dead. Good, good job, Moses. Good job. And, you know, and Moses uh, does the thing that we all do as, as, as leaders. Oh, God, why'd you do this to me? And what God says to Moses is, and the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? I'm going to fill in a couple of things here. I've given you authority to lead. Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. And as for you, here's your, here's your particular job description. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so the sons of Israel shall go through in the midst of the sea on dry land. You know, Moses could sit there all day long, oh God, part the sea, part the sea, part the sea. And God says, I've already given you the authority to do it. Come on, Moses, use your authority. Jesus says to us, you feed them. You know, Moses, if it hadn't been for God empowering him, he could have stood in front of the Red Sea. He could have stood in front of Lytle Creek and not parted it. But when God says, I've given you the authority, and God has given us, his church, the authority, he's given us dominion, Jesus came to undo the works of the devil. He came to undo them. My, my goal is to, for each one of us to, to step up. Wait a minute. I've been living so far below the authority and the dominion that God has given me. My marriage has is, is, is suffered because I haven't taken dominion over my marriage. My kids are, are just really fouled up because I, I, haven't, I haven't told the enemy to take his hands off of my kids. I haven't demanded it. I haven't insisted on it. My, my, my job is in jeopardy because I've just let the enemy come in and say, well, you're going to lose your job. Go, okay, I'm going to lose my job. That's the way it goes. But coming to that place and saying, no, no, no. I'm going to believe the word of God. Folks, it's warfare. It's not Sunday school picnic. It's warfare. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. It requires discipline. It, it, it's not really the nicest thing around. But boy, does it pay off big in the long run. And so my, my encouragement to you, and I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to pull a Josh here, okay? I'm going to speak next week too. <laughs> That's what he gets for going away. Um, but what I want to encourage you in don't believe the lies of the deceiver. Oh, you're not powerful. You can't do that. No, you can't. No. No, you can't. You, you, you can't do it. But if God be for you, it doesn't matter who's against you, that you and God make a majority. As you go through your neighborhood, God, cause an outpouring of your Holy Spirit to take place in my neighborhood. God, do this. God, do this. God, do this. Let your kingdom come into this neighborhood and your will be done. And we'll talk more about the authority and the power of your prayer, the petition and the proclamation.
of God, I want to use that dominion and say the kingdom rules here. And that's why I'm excited about the future of your church and my church and God's church. I'm going to ask the ushers to come to the front. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and your giving to support the vision of the church. I, I really thank you for, for continuing investing in, in, in the belief. We are in for a great time in the future of the church. I thank God for, for what he's doing and how he is sending uh, pe- people in who are equipped and ready. And may God bless you as, as you give back to the Lord. If you've never stepped across that line of faith, if you've never come to the place to where you said, you know, I really, I really want to, to, to look at this Jesus thing. Something's not right inside, and I, I feel it, and I, I know, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but, but I want to know more about it. I want to ask you to mark that box on the tariff card uh, on, that's on your bulletin this morning, and we'll give you a call this week to introduce you to the one who teaches us to overcome. No, you don't have to put up with, with the failures. You do have to fight the warfare, but you don't have to put up with the failures. Now, God, bless this offering, and God, cause an increase to take place in our church. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Amen.